I was a uh, practicing clinician working in a home health agency model. I wasn't allowed to dose my patients as per best practice guidelines. So I said, there's gotta be a way to do this better. My, my grandmother, uh, my grandfather, I started seeing them going in and out of long-term care. It started personal seeing the sick side of 80, and now it's been exciting to be part of Fox. Light bulb moment, like that's a complete game changer. You can see what we can do as a practice and as treating clinicians to really make 80, 85 look so much different than it did back that long ago. And boil it down into one say, it's quite simply this, it's be stronger, live better longer. Welcome to Fox Rehabilitation's Live Better Longer podcast, the podcast dedicated to clinicians who work with older adults. My name is Jim Shearer and today my co-host is Fox Occupational Therapist, Brianna McPhee. Brianna, welcome to the podcast. Hi, Jim. Very excited to be here. Thank you so much for having me. I'm, I'm excited that you're here. And maybe for the first time in the history of this podcast, we have a studio audience. Is that correct? Yes, we do have a studio <laughs> audience. I have a student with me today. She um, decided it'd be a good idea for us to like, you know, sit in and listen because she is an OT student. So, um, you know, she's kind of getting a little bit of the background of, you know, this particular subject, which I think I would have loved to have when I was I student, think this so. is cool. It's like, hey, you get to shadow me today. I'm going to treat patients and I'm going to be on a podcast too. I know, right? <laughs> it is It is pretty cool. <laughs> Very happy to have her here. So, Brianna, today we are going to talk about occupational therapy and mental health. Now, is it yes. true? Is it true that occupational therapy got its start in mental health? It sure is. So before we had, you know, neuro units and orthopedic clinics for OT, we had mental health OT and that was that was pretty much it. So while occupational therapy is a relatively new field of healthcare, I believe we hit our 100 year anniversary in 2017. I got to go to that. That was a lot of fun. Nice. Um, it's been a yeah, it's been around a little bit longer than that. The real bread and butter of OT is mental health. In the 18th century, patients with mental illnesses that were in prisons, uh, asylums and like inpatient psych units you know, they were back then they were considered a threat to society and they were in all these inpatient units. And the majority of those affected were simply stuck in these places and hidden from society. One of the founders of OT wanted William Rush Dunton Jr., if you fact check me, wanted to <laughs> develop a safe space where those with mental illnesses could freely engage in meaningful occupations. In these settings, most of the treatment that was provided were to those with severe mental health issues by promoting engagement in meaningful, um, what we know today as ADLs and IADLs. And within these spaces, like, like I just mentioned, a greater understanding was found on how beneficial work and engagement through crafts such as painting, clay modeling, all this like, you know, interesting like leisure activity, um, could create like collaboration, teamwork, and kind of translate to real life tasks. And when you move on to the later part of the century, the benefit of that occupational engagement was understood more and more, kind of setting the groundwork for where we are today with OT, which I think is a really cool chunk of history. Isn't that great? And it's so true. When you do something, those occupations 
bring you happiness. Like there's yeah. a reason we do. There's a reason people paint or sculpt. Mm-hmm. Ab- absolutely. And it's, it's really cool to watch how all of that stuff translate, especially in the field of, of mental health. And I know th- this similar concept that we use there translates to all different fields of OT, but it's really cool to re- like remember that our roots are in mental health. If you speak to any occupational therapist who has been in the field, like I actually got to talk to one a couple of weeks ago who has, you know, been in OT for 35 years. They will tell you when they went to school, all they learned was mental health. They didn't learn about all this cool new stuff that we're learning about sensory integration, um, you know, really tackling orthopedic issues, neuro, like all these other really cool like aspects of OT. It was really, really rooted in mental health. And it's cool to talk to people like that, you know? So Brianna, you said occupational therapy celebrated its 100th anniversary mm-hmm. in 2017. So yes. when I tell people about Fox Rehabilitation, I'll break down the disciplines. I'll say occupational therapy and you can tell by the look on their faces, they don't know exactly what it is. Like you say physical therapy. Oh, yeah, that makes sense. So how often in everyday life and even maybe tra- treating a patient for the first time, do you have to explain what occupational therapy is? I'm pretty sure every OT can kind of <laughs> lament over this struggle, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go and say every day. Every day. Um, most of, like I said, most OTs can relate. Uh, we are constantly explaining what we do, advocating for what OT does, constantly battling the, but I don't need a job, you know, response when you tell somebody you're there for occupational therapy. Um, then you get some people who, you know, when they think of OT, they think of picking up toothpicks and playing with, uh, coins. And they're like, I don't need that. My fingers work fine. My hands work fine. And, oh man, I really try to kind of build the foundation of understanding when I evaluate every patient. I'm like, I'm here for OT. I'm not here for PT. I'm not here for speech. Let me explain what I do. So I always try to say like OT is a form of rehab similar to my physical therapist who you love and your speech therapist who helps you so much. Um, that same thing, we, we help patient improve and overcome and adapt to functional deficiencies so that you can live as independently as possible. I know there's a very common term that OTs use. I don't love it, but I feel like it kind of gets the point across. A PT, they say a PT will help and strengthen and move your legs to walk to the bathroom, but an OT will help you do whatever you got to do when you get there. So OT really does have unique plans catered to patients' goals. And no, no one is really the same. No, no patient has the same goals. And I think that's something that makes OT super special and unique. And it's very customizable, which always keeps us on our toes, which is always exhausting, but it's fun. And it so. means, it means, Brianna, you have to be creative. Oh, yeah. Every day. Every day I'm creative. We all are. It's the most creative people are OTs. It's, and when I speak to OTs, yeah. that's what they love about it. They're like, I yeah. love to be creative. Mm-hmm. I I do. I love being creative. Like like I said, there it can get a little mentally exhausting to be creative literally all day long, but it's always it's always fun. So like, you know, you put the exhaustion aside, you go home, you take an hour to kind of relax, and then you get back into living. But you know, you OTs, I feel like a lot of us struggle with work-life balance because of all 
you get a little bit of a physically exhausting job, but man, it could be a mentally exhausting job as well for many reasons. I could imagine because when you go home, you're probably thinking of ways to be creative with your patient. Yeah, like it's probably very hard to turn off your brain. You do not, no matter what setting you work in as an OT, it's very hard to leave your work at home. Uh, in schools, you go home like, what can I do with this student tomorrow? When you're in a hospital, like, oh, I hope Mrs. Smith is okay after that surgery. How are we going to work on the, all this stuff considering her pain tomorrow? And you're just always thinking about it. Yeah, it's, it's definitely hard to turn off your brain. <laughs> it takes a while. <laughs> so Brianna, mental health is at least on the public's radar these days. So can you take us through a now versus then scenario? I love this question because, you know, mental health is something that is so up and coming, like you said, in the spotlight with everybody, regardless of where, whether you work in healthcare or not. But for OTs, it is always right in the middle of what we're doing. I think a big aspect of mental health lately that has really brought it to the spotlight, unfortunately, is COVID. Like, Think about our yep. patients who, you know, a lot of their roles and occupations, whether it be visiting their grandkids or, you know, going to the senior center to go play bingo or whatever they're going to do, like, and driving, getting their hair done and their nails done. Yep. We're all kind of taken away from them. They lost those roles and things that bring meaning and value to their life. And we started to see such a big influx of anxiety and depression. And I definitely, at some point in this combo, I want to bring up that like OT is no substitute for like psych services and having a mental health counselor and a clinical psychologist. But it's kind of part of that interdisciplinary team where you do address mental health, but I would never go around parading like, you know, on one of one of the other professions that, you know, have a much different scope of practice as OT. But OT definitely comes in the, in the into the game because we are treating people that are neglecting ADLs because of an influx of these new disparities and influx of mental health issues among the aging population, among everybody. But in this particular setting, you definitely see it in the homes and you kind of take on a new role. Like you're not the OT going over there to help, you know, with a rotator cuff tear. You're not the OT going over there to just work on, you know, someone being able to like put their shoes on and work on their balance. You're also addressing all this newfound anxiety, all this new these depressive symptoms that are holding them back from doing simple things, taking care of themselves, coping with stresses. And it's definitely become more apparent over the past years. Like I've worked with Fox for almost three years now and the past two and a half almost have been in this pandemic. So we've def I've definitely seen like a little bit of a shift in our roles as OTs. Are your Fox. older adult patients open to talking about mental health? No, that's another big obstacle. Because I, I think of my grandparents no. and it was something that you didn't talk about. And it no. was almost like, now, nah, like we're going to tough it through. And I'm like, and that's, that's their philosophy. I know. Like think about when you, when you are in an inpatient unit or like in an outpatient orthopedic clinic, someone comes in and goes, oh, I have trigger finger. I need your help. I need occupational therapy. No one, no one in that, in this generation, like, you know, 70s and older is going to be like, I have anxiety, I need occupational therapy. So the, it's so difficult to kind of, you really do have to use your therapy as use of self and build that rapport because it's really hard to get people to open up about those struggles. But to us, 
it's one of those things you walk in and it's a little apparent. Like, why is this person not doing the things that they used to? I'm noticing, you know, not very sedentary lifestyle, not as engaged as they used to be. Um, families complaining they don't cook anymore. They don't like to clean. They don't like to do these things that they used to love to do. And right away in my head, I was like, what is what is stopping them? It could, it could be something, another diagnosis that we don't know about that we would refer out, like, you know, pain, discomfort, mild cognitive impairment, perhaps dementia. But a lot of the times, it's what I was saying, like, there's usually an underlying mental health issue that we kind of have to address and obviously refer out to see if, you know, we can get further help with more psych services. Yeah, so when but- you're addressing a mental health issue, what are your goals, and then what is your what is your role as an OT? Okay. As an OT in this setting, it's it's definitely not as clear cut as when you go in with any other type of diagnosis. So OT is not there to simply, you're not simply there to give your patient something to do. Like we were just talking about how in the 1800s you gave your patient something to paint or mold with clay exactly how OT was founded in this setting, which is a little outdated. You are there as an OT to tailor treatment to these patients' preferences, their goals, and needs across a range of areas. So when I go as as an OT, the number one thing I try to do after, you know, attempting to build rapport is kind of educating that patient about, you know, their diagnosis. If they have a diagnosis of anxiety or depression from a licensed clinical psychologist, psychiatrist, I want them to be able to understand the symptoms that they are valid. They are okay. These are the things you might be experiencing as a result of, you know, your depression, anxiety, bipolar disorder, like whatever it may be. It's really is a, I'm using depression, anxiety, because they're the most common, but there really is such a big array of, you know, what these patients can be dealing with in their head and how these symptoms affect self-care, their roles in the house, behavior management, coping, stress, anger management towards caregivers, um, even social skills, communication, and things like leisure, like even not being able to attend to watching TV or reading a book and things that they will tell you, I used to love to do this and they don't anymore. So as an OT, you your focus is on the barriers to understanding the effects of the diagnosis, such as poor motivation, low energy, mood variability, uh, un- even things like unstable housing and lack of financial resources, like kind of understanding these things and how they're getting in the way of a patient being able to fulfill their everyday ADLs. You're finding yeah. the root, the root of the problem. Yeah. Finding the root of the problem. Exactly. And then you have to educate the patient and have them mm-hmm. buy in. Yeah, that's that's a, that's something that takes a long time. And that's something that definitely scares, I think, a lot of new grads and a lot of newer clinicians is that it's not like, oh, you're going to be starting to feel better with your balance and everything in like 12 weeks, probably. Mental health OT can take a very long time to see any results. And it's a little frustrating because- like you want to see yeah. things right away, but like that type of healing isn't linear. You're going to have good days, bad days, buying into developing these new skills to cope and like, you know, process the symptoms of your your diagnosis, whatever it may be. And it could be a lengthy, a very lengthy process for sure. Much more than- That's, It's interesting because if you injure a body part, you can usually put a timeline on that. 
Usually. Like, all right, yeah. yeah, like in four to six weeks, but you can't necessarily do that with mental health. No, you can't. It, it can take years. It really can. There, there are some patients I've seen with Fox. I mean, I've kind of, I've been in a lot of different areas, but you know, they've been seeing OT for, for a very long time. And like some of those, those skills carry over, but you know, there's always new things that pop up and it's, it's, it's difficult. It's difficult to always see progress, but to them, you're like their knight in shining armor. You're helping them see through so many of these barriers that get in their way by implementing different strategies, coping strategies, remedial and compensatory techniques to kind of allow for a patient to feel good enough to sit up, brush their hair, you know, brush their teeth, take a shower, cope with anxiety. So like while you're not seeing results in like a linear fashion, to these patients, you're everything. You've done yes. so much to change their life. You're helping them see the light. Exactly. So, light. Brianna, you sent me an article, and you, you, you mentioned it about students graduating from school. So there was um, a survey that was conducted among OT students, and some of them are not necessarily comfortable working with a patient who has a mental health condition, or at least... It's not their preference. Mm -hmm. So if I sat you down in front of one of these students, and actually there is a student sitting down in front of you right now, yes. uh, what could you say or explain to change their minds? So I definitely understand why students are intimidated by mental health. You got to think like occasionally safety can be compromised. I had a mental health placement and, you know, you go into it, people like try to make you nervous. They're like, oh, you've got to be careful in there. But there's a lot that kind of goes into mental health. And I feel like a lot of students don't even have a placement in mental health anymore, which is like I was saying, all these older OTs, they had fieldwork mental health, um, you know, maybe something else, but that was kind of the foundation for them. Nowadays, there's a million different OT field placements you can have. I had hand therapy. I did pediatrics in a school. I did pediatrics in a specialized outpatient facility. Like I didn't really have a mental health placement. So that's a, that's a big reason why I think students are kind of like nervous is because they don't really have the hands-on experience. And like I said, it's not as a new grad, you're always doubting yourself when you're a therapist all the time. So when you don't see progress right away, it kind of that imposter syndrome you have when you first start really kind of comes to light. You're like, what am I doing for this person? Am I doing anything at all? Am I a good OT? I feel like that those three factors are some of the biggest reasons why I think students aren't comfortable. I encourage all students, if possible, take a mental health placement because mental health, no matter what you go into as an OT, there will always be a mental health component there. And the more comfortable you are, the more likely you are to use it every single day with your patients. Really use your therapeutic use of self, use your therapeutic listening skills, your understanding, your ability to assist with understanding your limitations or lack thereof and begin to cope with the struggles of therapy and all that type of stuff. And I really think once you have a hands-on experience with a CI, a, an instructor that is going to guide you through those 12, that 12 week rotation, you will feel so much better about it. And you might grow to love it because it really is such a customizable, fun field to be in. 
and mental with, health OT. With comfort comes confidence. Absolutely. Yeah. Right. And like I said, no matter what you do with your OT, that mental health skill set will take you so far. I mean, I'm not a mental health OT with Fox, but I kind of am because I use it every day yes. with my patients who are dealing with these struggles. So it has helped tremendously. You've you've proven it in this last 20 minutes. Exactly. <laughs> so we're going to take a break and we have more with Brianna McPhee next right here on Fox Rehabilitation's Live Better Longer podcast. While we take a quick break, if you or anyone you know is interested in working with Fox Rehabilitation, you can find out about all of our openings and opportunities on our career site, which is careers.foxrehab.org. And I think, this is just me, if you follow Fox Rehabilitation on our social media channels, that is Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, TikTok, and Twitter, you get a really good sense of what Fox Rehabilitation is all about. So once again, if you're interested in joining the Fox family, I'm going to send you over to our career site, which is careers.foxrehab.org. And before, before we get back to our podcast this week, I just want to shout out my mom who turned 70 years old this week. Happy birthday, mom. She is a past two-time guest on Fox Rehabilitation's Live Better Longer podcast. We are back on Fox Rehabilitation's Live Better Longer podcast. I am chatting with Fox Occupational Therapist, Brianna McPhee. <laughs> so, Brianna, you treat in the New York City area? Yes, I am the, I'm an occupational therapist in Staten Island. At this point, I have been in every borough because I changed territories a bunch because I moved. And I'm the RQAL in Brooklyn with another fantastic team. Both really great teams, and I'm very happy to be a part of both. So, of them. do you spend more time in Staten Island or Brooklyn? I want to say four to five days a week in Staten, and I'll hop over to Brooklyn once a week. Maybe. Okay. Yeah. So, we talk about pizza often on the Live yes. Better Longer podcast. Mm-hmm. For those that don't know, Staten Island is a pizza hotbed. Amazing pizza. However, here. for those who live in New York City, it's not always easy to get down to Staten Island. Mm-hmm. You have to take a boat or go over a bridge. So to wrap this up, can you just shout out a few good pizza places in Staten Island? Um. Okay. There's, I love Pizzeria Giove, which is in New Dorp. It's a bit of a hike, but the Staten Island Railroad is it worth? Is here. it worth the hike? Yeah, yeah. Okay. And then, you know what's absolutely worth the hike? Hype, hike, and hype. <laughs> Dinino's, because Dinino's is a whole experience. Dinino's is on the North Shore, so it's pretty close to the ferry. Close to Take Jersey. The- so if you're in New Jersey, it's not a crazy drive yeah. to get over there. And then you got the original Ralph Sizes across the street. Yes. So like you literally get to you have you have a whole night. That's your night right there. <laughs> Dinino's. Well, I've Ralph's- been, yeah, I've been to Dinino's. And whenever there's like a new mayor or a new politician, they always have to go to Danino's, take a picture and say that they've been there. Yeah. Yeah. It's I I don't think Danino's is overrated. Some may disagree. We actually said the Staten Island team just had a happy hour at Lee's Tavern, which supposedly rivals Danino's. Those are like the two hotspots. 
I Lisa's good. I think Danita's just blows it out of the water, though. <laughs> is Lee's the one with the super duper thin crust, or am I thinking of another place? Well, that's Joe and Pat's. Uh, okay, because Danita Danino's has a thin crust, but it's not yeah. like cracker thin. Joe and Pat's has the paper thin crust, and okay. Lee's is known for their bar pies. So okay. like the small pies, you get like a ton of them, and it's a great time. All right, thank you for the the Staten Island pizza information. Absolutely. I have um, a couple of my friends and I do like pizza crawls. In oh! Everett, so we did a, yeah, we did. I just I live in Hoboken. So I had a Hoboken pizza crawl. We went to 14 places. <laughs> Wait, in, in Hoboken? Yeah. Can you shout out the best? Because I'm like um, addicted to pizza. And that's probably okay. why we talk about pizza on this podcast so much. N- Napoli's is my favorite in Hoboken. All right. I'm writing um, it down. Yeah. A lot of people like Benny Tadino's. They're known for their slice. That's the size of like a, a newborn baby. They're humongous. <laughs> they, they literally have pictures of the slice next to like babies. Um, and then there's there's Torna, which I love. And then t- I think 10th Street Pizza is one of the best. But uh, wait, what was Torna's? Torna's. They're okay. like a, very, a little smaller place. And then 10th Street is like a go-to okay. pizza. But Napoli's <laughs> is your favorite. Napoli's is, I think... Always good, always perfect, best slice in Hoboken. All right, so there you go. If I know we're spread out across oh, many I'm states, <laughs> but if any clinicians make their way to the New York City area, Hoboken is in the New York City area. It's just it, right over the water is. there. Yeah, so you've, you've got some options to choose from. So, Brianna, thank you so much for the time today. Thanks for having me, Jim. This was so fun. Um, It was really great doing this with you. Loved it. And maybe next time it'll be you and Crystal on together. Yes, I'll I'll get her in here. (laughs) So for Brianna McPhee and Crystal and myself, we will see Yins later. 